from UNH Cooperative Extension. This is Overinformed on IPM. Even though this season has been cool and wet and slow to come, Potato Leafhopper arrived right on time to wreak havoc on young potato plants, snap beans, strawberries, raspberries, you name it, they love it. Overwintered adults arrive on weather patterns from the south. Adults and subsequent nymphs feed on plants and they actually inject a toxic saliva while they feed. This causes hopper burn on plants. Beans are particularly susceptible to this hopper burn. Uh, The leaves turn yellow, they turn under, those leaf margins turn brown. You might even notice a cloud of tiny little adults jumping around when you bat at a plant. You might look a little closer and see the tiny, almost neon green nymphs darting back and forth. Get this, sideways. This is a goofy but reliable way to identify potato leafhopper adults and nymphs. Best practices for avoiding injury by potato leafhopper is to have nice big healthy plants before they arrive. Mature plants can take a little damage without losing out on yield. Young plants can be protected with row cover nice and tight until they're old enough for life on their own. Scout your plants often to detect first signs of potato leafhopper and be careful with broad spectrum insecticides because you might cause flare-ups of secondary pests and end up chasing the dragon. Also, repeated waves of potato leafhopper migration are possible, so keep scouting those young plants and act early. Once you see signs of hopper burn, it may be too late to save those plants. And remember, pesticides must be applied only as directed on the label to be in compliance with the law, so read those labels. Honestly, guys, uh, potato leafhopper control can be pretty tough, especially if insecticides aren't a tool in your IPM toolbox. For other potential management techniques, I spoke with someone who knows potato leafhopper really well. My name is Lily Calderwood, and I am the wild blueberry specialist for cooperative extension at the University of Maine, and I'm also an assistant professor of horticulture in the School of Food and Agriculture. Lily's current position has her busy with the needs of blueberry growers, and we will return to this in a later episode, but in a past life, she worked on potato leafhopper attacking hops. Potato leafhopper is definitely a migratory species, and they're down in South Carolina, Alabama area, and then they're picked up and brought north. Uh, so it becomes a very unpredictable pest. What's the, what's the best advice you have for predicting? Just have a friend in Maryland that will call you when they're coming? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no question about it. It seems to me that in general, if we get a big rainstorm that comes up from the south, it's likely that it's carrying some leaf hoppers with it. As an aside, I'd like, I'd like to point out that we are very sure that potato leaf hopper does not overwinter up here and that they migrate north every year. More interesting and perhaps more controversial There is evidence that leafhopper progeny that establish up here don't just die when the winter comes, but actually migrate back south in the winter. This may be a story for another day, but the team that provided this evidence was led by Cornell's Elson Shields, and it involved sampling insects using remote-controlled aircraft. Very fun. Their motto was, hundreds of meters above the rest, which still puts a smile on my face. But I digress. 
Lily and I got into an interesting conversation about leafhopper behavior in hops and the major research questions of her PhD work. When these potato leafhoppers arrive, where do they land? And are there certain hop varieties that they're more attracted to than others? Could we use some sort of cover crop, trap crop in between rows that the potato leafhoppers would be more attracted to than the hop plants? So I found that there were certain varieties of hops that were more susceptible to potato leafhopper feeding than others and more susceptible to their damage. That is because different hop varieties have a range of the density and number of trichomes on the underside of the leaves. And those leaf hairs contain chemistry that are repelling the leafhopper. I'm going to jump in here again to talk briefly about plant trichomes. Like Lily said, trichomes are leaf hairs. Leaves have hairs, believe it or not. Plant species will vary in the amount and types of these leaf hairs. Even some varieties vary. And this is where a lot of effort has been put into breeding plants that are resistant to insect feeding or plants that repel insects. There's a lot of different kinds of trichomes, but they can kind of be divided into two types. The kind that repel insects physically and the kind that repel insects chemically. So physically, they make it hard for bugs to eat the leaves to get their little proboscis around the hairs. Um, The kind that repel insects chemically, they secrete what we'd say challenging chemicals, often called secondary metabolites or secondary compounds. These secondary compounds make bugs like the leafhopper want to hop far away if they can um, to find something a little easier to deal with. Back to Lily. So certain varieties have more of certain compounds, others have less of certain compounds, but they might have more individual hairs. So there's both a physical and a chemical defense there. How do you think that plays into recommendations? Like, or what, you know, is that resistance enough to recommend that as a resistant variety? Or how would you use this information in practice? It's a great question. So, hop varieties are, there certain varieties are really sought after from brewers uh, for their flavor, for their, what they add to a beer, whether it's aromatics or bittering. So, I would say, it's real when developing new hop varieties, the that flavor takes precedence, and then the ability to, to grow the crop comes second, which would be disease resistance, insect resistance, and uh, just ability to grow. But it is part of the picture. They do take it into account, and there are a few companies and the USDA that breed hop varieties. And these days, it is really a race to come up with the next new sexy hop variety. And it, it's a really interesting plant because you have so much chemistry in there that can be manipulated, it can change to create these new varieties. So there are more than 300 varieties now. And so with- I, the- here, I, have, I have a question for you and this yeah. maybe is coming from a place of ignorance. <laughs> no. I would, I would assume that the chemicals that are associated with defending that plant are related to the chemicals of that flavor, comp- like those flavor components. Is there a direct relationship between the flavor components of the cones and the leaves? And is it too rudimentary for you to say the more flavorful or the more complex those cones are, the better defended the plant is? Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, we don't have an answer to that, um, but it's a great question. Yeah, 
and I did come up, I did do some data crunching at one point on this, and I think it was, um, there was a relationship between the number of shaleaf hoppers per leaf and alpha and beta acids. Alpha acids are the bittering, and the beta acids are aromatic compounds. So we couldn't identify, it isn't, it's really too much of a stretch to say that either the leaf hoppers prefer the bitter or the aromatic varieties. Each variety does have a, a leaning towards either one, but they're all a combination. So we didn't quite get there. And then in the fields where I was trying to see if the petite leaf hoppers were more attracted to certain plants over the hops, we did find that they are more attracted to clover and legumes over hops. So they will land in clover or bean before hops. However, okay, so you, you say, okay, they're really attracted to alfalfa. Let's just plant a bunch of alfalfa they'll be attracted to that and we don't have to worry about them on hops. But it turns out that there are a lot of alfalfa fields in the Northeast and they're surrounding, you know, they're in the landscape. They need to be cut. You got to cut that hay. And once you cut the hay, the leafhoppers fly right over to the hops or to another crop like beans or raspberries, um, dahlias, whatever it is. Something you could do the leafhoppers do arrive to the edge of the fields and they're on those edge plants first. So you could use those as your trap and spray just the edge as they arrive. But then with the leafhopper, you get multiple arrivals and different waves of the insect coming up from the south. So you'd have to really keep an eye out, keep your sticky traps up. You might have to spray again if there's another arrival. So what have we learned here? Potato leaf hopper loves beans. Well, I bet anybody growing beans already knows this. We see multiple waves of potato leaf hopper entering susceptible crops. This is from regional and local migration. Regional migration is hard to predict, but in terms of predicting local migration, you might think about asking for a heads up from neighbors who are cutting hay, especially neighbors growing alfalfa. Well, plant breeders are always on the hunt for resistant plant varieties that also make delicious beer or the tastiest raspberries. We're not quite there yet with potato leaf hopper and some of the major plants that are affected by this insect, but stay tuned. That's it for this week. Thanks to Dr. Calderwood at University of Maine and special thanks to Brentwood's favorite son, Jason Lightbound, who wrote and performed our theme music. Overinformed on IPM is a production of University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. 
All music is used by permission or by Creative Commons licensing. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial enterprises in this podcast does not equate endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, New Hampshire counties, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. Learn more at extension.unh.eu.